This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. Ordained interfaith minister and book author, Jerry Zare, encourages thoughtful reflection and hope to all those seeking his words of wisdom. But when his own personal endeavors take root, he must question the deeper motive that keeps him from the peacemaker's path. It's good to see you, Jerry. How are you doing today? Uh, it's good to be here with you. Thank you. Sure. So what would you like coaching on? Well, you know, it's interesting. I've just retired. Um, I, I've been writing this book, and, and it. I, I sometimes I get a spirit of discouragement. Um, you know, I've been a minister for 36 years, and, and, you know, sometimes you wonder after 36 years and now you're retired, does it make any difference what you do? Did it make anything? And especially when I was writing the book, it's like, will anybody ever read this book? And I I get in this really funk of just like discouragement and I just would ready to give up, you know, at times. And um, I, I get in that I get in that that place sometimes and it's not good. So what I'm hearing is you just finished your book and but sometimes you get into this zone of discouragement. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, you just start to wonder. I mean, you, you, you work hard, you try to help people, and then you see people, you know, maybe who've like been a part of my, my church, and, and, and they kind of, they've been in your study and they, they try to grow, and then, and then you see them like post these ridiculous, unbelievable things on Facebook, or, and you see them get into these things with people, and you just go, have you not, like heard anything I've said, you know, have you not done anything? I mean, I think it's anybody in a leadership role probably feels that, but you just, you just feel like, gosh, people are really aren't listening to any of this or taking it to heart. So what would be a fantastic outcome for today's conversation? Uh, I think uh, to help me, to help me if if I get into that place, how how to get out of that, or or how not? To, what would be fantastic is that I don't get into that place of discouragement at all. So you get so the outcome would be not getting into discouragement. So if you didn't get into discouragement, what would be the opposite of that? Oh, I'd be hopeful. I'd be positive. I'd be enjoying all the time. I wouldn't. Uh, 
I wouldn't question myself. And where, you know, I just saw you smiling. Where does that sort of lie? Like if you think about in your body, that sort of idea of joy and, and, and hopefulness. Oh, I mean, it, it's, it's in my face. It's in my, uh, it's in my mind, you know? Um, I think when I'm in discouragement, it's in my, it's in my gut. It's in my, you know, it's, it's heavier. It feels heavy and joy and life feels up in life. Would you like to uh, sort of explore a little more of that feeling in your gut with discouragement? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So if you want to just, you know, center yourself and just relax in your seat, you can close your eyes if you feel comfortable or soften your gaze. I want you to take a couple of breaths in and out. We'll just do a quick scan of the body. I just want you to breathe into the different body parts that I mentioned. So, top of the head, the eyes, the nose, the cheeks, the mouth, the neck, the upper body, the chest, the stomach, the legs, the feet, the toes. Just want to breathe back in and out. When I sort of say the word discouragement and all that's attributed to that, can you describe this feeling in your body, like in your stomach you mentioned earlier? Oh, I think it carries um, tears. Um, shame, uh, a heaviness, discouragement. Fears, shame, and heaviness. Have you felt these feelings before? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think those were, um, I felt a lot of that early on in my life. Um, I wasn't aware of it. I kind of masked it, you know, I felt it inside, but emotionally I was kind of so cut off. But I mean, when I finally came in touch with my emotions, I could, I would feel it. But that was later um, when I got to be 30 years old, you know, but I mean, I, 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 I masked those feelings, those pain, that woundedness um, by just pushing ahead or medicating it with alcohol or or just staying busy and not wanting to feel and did you ever sort out some of those feelings as you got older after 30 yeah I, I I finally started realizing I mean what that was from was early on as a as a young person I mean some of it was probably my father was very authoritarian had a terrible temper um, so he would unload on me or uh, I was the youngest of the family or even in I was in a very conservative uh, legalistic kind of a denomination. So there was a lot of shame and guilt. So I never really felt worthy, uh, felt good enough. Um, always kind of told I was going to be, you know, I just could never measure up. I screwed up all the time. 
So, and then I became a perfectionist, almost like, you know, I had to do it perfect because I was so afraid if I mess up. And then, of course, you mess up and then you, and then you get even more discouraged because yeah. it's hard to give yourself any forgiveness or grace. What do you think this um, feelings of shame and the fear is, is trying to tell you? Oh, it. The shame and guilt is telling me I'm a screw up. I'm no good. Um, you know, you don't measure up. Uh, who do you think you are? Like a lot of that. Do you do you find that that's true? No, not now. Um, not now. But you know, it's kind of like that deep wound. That's that's kind of in the deepest part of you because that was an early formation. So, you know, I can work through it, you know, like I'll if I get in a funky mood or discouraged, I'll just go to bed, you know, right? You know, and then the next day it's better, maybe, you know, I mean, it all depends, right? If it's better, it all depends on if somebody's really angry at me or upset at me. Sometimes how much will that carry on? Um how much does that stay present? I try to work through it intellectually and reframe it. But yeah, it's 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 an old wound. And did this wound show up when you were writing the book? I think at times, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, you just, you wonder, what am I doing writing this? I'm, is anybody even going to read this book? I mean, you know, you pour blood and sweat over it, but there's so many books out there, so many different things. And, and I'm not a famous author. I'm not a famous anything of that, right? I'm just a regular guy who's been doing work uh, over the, a lot of years. But, but uh, so I, yeah, you don't know. And then, so then you stop for a while <laughs> and then you, and then you finally get enough stamina or courage to step back in and try it some more. So what if, you know, I created a miracle for you and this book became lauded. Everyone wanted it. Everyone, you know, is completely enamored by it. What's the feelings like then for you? Well, of course, the feelings are affirmation and feelings of good and and, and um, feelings of, of uh, satisfaction that people are getting something out of it. Will that take away that feeling of discouragement? Uh, probably not, just because um, I don't know. You know, I've been, I've, I, I, the older I get, the less of that spirit of discouragement I have. But it's a deep wound. What do you think it needs from you? What, what needs for me? What, the wound? Yeah, like how can it heal? Wow. Um, uh, how can it heal? It, it, I, you know, you continue, I have to feel a sense of my own self-worth and affirmation and retraining my mind, um, not letting that critic voice, not, not listening to other people. When other people get upset, I try to tell myself, don't take it personally, you know, step outside of it. But, you know, you have to work at that. And, and especially if it's somebody who really gets upset and then, you know, you, I mean, it's hard. I think any of us, you know, we take that in. And then, um, especially if you're a, 
you know, sensitive soul or something. But so, I mean, what, 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 what does that wound need? It needs for me to become a little hard ass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little tougher, right? A little more thick skinned. So like, it, it ain't going to hurt me. <laughs> and is that realistic? Uh, it's gotten better. It's gotten better, but I don't want to become such a, a hard ass that I'm not accessible and warm to people and loving. I mean, whenever you're vulnerable and you open yourself to people, you're open to getting hurt. Um, so I, th I think the more I can have confidence in myself and and feel a sense of, of uh, my own self-worth and not taking it personally from other people. That's a big thing for me, I think. So is, is there a middle ground between a hard ass and, and the kind soul that you are now? Uh, I, yeah, there probably is, of course. It's never either or. There is a middle ground. Um, uh, I'm not sure what that would quite look like. Suppose that you embodied that what do you what do you suppose that would be like oh i mean i, th I think i would be confident caring um loving but but um guard not guarded um thick-skinned i mean uh enough where like almost those type of things would bounce off they, 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 I wouldn't let them come in. And sometimes I'm even good at that, but then I get tired or, or you get frustrated or you start second guessing yourself. And then it's like, that's when they come in. Right. And so I don't know if, if anybody can do that. Perfect. So, so if on one hand you were kind, caring, and then another hand, thick skin, which is closer to your heart? Oh, a kind and caring is closer to my heart. Yeah. Do you know anyone who's thick-skinned that you admire? Thick-skinned who I admire. Somebody who's thick-skinned who I admire. Well, I don't, I guess not, because I mean, you know, I might, I might see people who I don't really know from afar, but I don't know what they're feeling internally. So I don't know if I really know somebody well who's really thick-skinned. So Jerry, what do you think are some of the ways that you can move closer, inch closer to thick skin, but still retaining you know, your demeanor, your nature? Um, I don't know, do you have any suggestions? Well, you mentioned a few things there. You mentioned that you reframe things. So how how would that be in this new scenario of getting yourself, you know, like you mentioned, still, you know, the you know, the kind, loving nature person that you are, but yet more in in control of not letting things bother you. Um, you know, you mentioned also affirmations. Do you do those as well? I I, I'm better at that. I used to discount affirmations. I'm better at taking those in and affirming those. But sometimes even the critic voice inside of me says, that's bullshit. No, that's not true, you know. 
So, I mean, I, yeah, I still have to work at it. So what do you do for your physical, biological health? I do try to do some walking and uh, biking a little bit. I, you know, and uh, one of the things my wife and I go out every morning or sometime in the evening and walk around our flowers just to enjoy the flowers and the beauty and that which we've been a part of helping to create. You mentioned earlier about when you wrote this book, you sort of questioned yourself that does it, does it even matter? So this, these other things that you do for yourself, biologically and physically and affirmations, and do you think those really matter? Well, they do because I get some immediate uh, gratification. I get some immediate feeling, you know, when you're walking, your, your, your heart goes better, you do that. But when you're working on a book all by yourself, you know, it's like, it's, it's hard. Uh, until because and, and luckily I mean I had some people who I asked for feedback and they were you know they didn't say like I mean they were encouraging they were encouraging as I kept on I didn't have anybody say you know that's a stupid thing why don't you do that so I did get some affirmation from people to keep going but when you're doing something all by yourself I mean it's it's easier when I I ran a marathon I ran four marathons when I would run a marathon I ran it with another buddy well that was good because he was encouraging me we were encouraging each other but when you're by yourself or you're a leader you know when when I was a pastor and you're the only pastor of the church and people get upset or they take you know uh, and I realize intellectually they're upset and they want to dump it on somebody, and so they dump it on you. And and you know, earlier I would just take that all personally. Now I, I'll try to work that through, but it still takes some time to do that. So I wish I was, yeah, thicker skinned. That if they said something that really was kind of ridiculous, uh, or I knew. Was you know I always try to entertain. Is there some truth to this? Is it, do I need to get some feedback? Do I need to hear something? I don't want to be not open to suggestions. But if I assess you know assess that and then realize, okay, this is their issue, that I could just do that and move on and not and 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 that would be thick skin to me. You know that I didn't let it stay in my in my body or in my mind too long. You mentioned a few things there about social support. When you were writing this book, did you have any social support? Well, a little bit. I mean, uh, I didn't. I mean, I probably, you know, I mean, you're writing it by yourself, you know. It's, uh, I, it wasn't like I wasn't in a book club, our, our book our authors group, where you could share some of your stuff with each other. I, I didn't have that, no. So, um, but I, and, and, Yes, you know, as a leader, when I was a pastor, I had other ministers to give you some support. Yes, and that, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, and and you can do that, but at you know, um, that might not happen for a while. You might not have some of that social support right away. And uh, I want to be strong enough by myself that I can, I can just be thick-skinned enough on myself that I don't have to you know, whatever, needs other people. You mentioned previously about sort of growing up in a household where 
you know, people were really hard on you. Did you share, I'm curious, did you share your book with any of your family members? Well, you know, I have now. And, you know, it is interesting. Um, now my father's passed, so he's no longer with us. Um, and, you know, my my mother was always supportive, so she's very proud. And my one brother, um, he's actually kind of surprised, you know. I mean, you know, he's, he's, it's, it's, he's, he's different. He's different now, too. Of course, he's matured, you know, so. Hmm. So how does accountability look like? Like, you know, trying to, you know, you accomplish something so big. How, how, how do you suppose you can celebrate that within your life and, and your body? Yeah, I'm trying to do that. I'm, I'm trying to, as people are saying things now to me, um, I'm trying to just uh, positive things to me as they're reading it now and they're, they're just it's exactly like one of the the niche because this there's nothing like this book out there and and it's 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 connecting for people who are spiritual but religious but the eyes of god and i mean so it it makes me feel good and i'm trying just to enjoy that and savor it and and just yeah be be in the moment with that do you believe these positive comments? Do you believe these people are sincere? I do think they are sincere. I do think they are sincere. And I and I feel that all, oh, you know, although once somebody said, you know, Jerry, you're, you're really this intelligent person because I did so much research and all this writing. And, you know, and I, I kind of laughed, you know, and I was like, because I, I just don't see myself as an intelligent, you know, PhD. I, now, I did some really work, and, my, you know, my wife and I talked about it. She said, but you're not intelligent like I referred to this friend of mine who's very intelligent IQ. You know, I don't have an intelligence like that, but I have my own emotional intelligence or my own whatever, spiritual intelligence. So I, I realized that and I had to reframe that, you know, in my own mind because I don't see myself as intelligent like a PhD person. And do you think that an intelligent PhD person would garner more success from this book? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that. And and I know that in that for myself, that doesn't determine your self-worth, you know, your degree, your a lot of people who have PhDs who, you know, whatever had their own stuff. So I I can work through it, right? But again, it's that wound that is very primal that's still there. And I don't know if it will ever be gone. Will, will it be a do you think it will ever be gone? Well, you know, I'm curious about sort of this 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 wound aspect because I wanted to ask you what do you what do you think it feeds on? Oh, it feeds on the negativity. It feeds on uh, any negativity because it reinforces that piece of that still believes that I really am nothing, that I am no good, that that I so, you know, any of that negativity it's just all of a sudden like, you know, it gets, that's like food. Mm-hmm. Which has more weight? If you've received 10 glowing reviews, positive. Yeah. And three negative reviews, which, which has more weight to you? Well, 
today, I would say the 10 positive affirmations do. It used to be I'd get 10 positive and one negative, and I'd focus on the negative all day long. You know, I mean, it would, I mean, earlier on, I would almost get depressed from it, right? And, but now I think I would, now I would do the 10. And people who gave me negative reviews, I'd say, that's okay. I mean, I realize my book, my writing isn't for everybody, you know? So, um, yeah, that's okay too. Well, you, know, you mentioned so many interesting things there about sort of that deep wound and sort of not feeling good. If I could offer a resource to you, are you open to it? Yes, please. Sure. So there's this author named Rick Carson who wrote a book called Taming Your Gremlin. And he talks about gremlin fighting. This gremlin basically oh. who tells you you're not worthy, you're not you're not good enough, you know, you can't do that, you can't do this. He basically calls it your gremlin fighting. So if I can share with you mine is I'm dating myself here, but it's from the you know, movie Ghostbusters when they would have that okay. gun and then my gremlin is zapped and then trapped in a metal box. Now the gremlin can never be dead. They can only be trapped. But trapping them allows you freedom. So I just wanted to offer that to you. So, so how do you, and you've done this for your own life, I'm sure. When you say you trap it, does it, I mean, does it pop back out? Are yeah. you able to keep it trapped? Yeah. So, you know, gremlins are, you know, of course they're, you know, figments of our imagination, but I sort of embody it, you know, create, create a form for it. And yeah, I trap it as much as I can. But as you know, things always get in the way especially as you try to climb the ladder or try to try to climb your own hopes and dreams. There's always ways that somehow it, it slips by you. Um, but, you know, the rule of thumb goes, keep it as bay as much as you can <laughs> until it finds a right. way to escape. Now, that name of that book was Trap? No, it's, it's called Taming Your Gremlin. Taming Your Gremlin. Taming, taming Your, I'm writing it, Taming Your Gremlin by... Who was it? Uh, Rick Carson. The, uh, Rick Rick Carson? Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how, how does that, how's that all sort of land for you in terms of trying to find ways to mitigate this, uh, you know, this opposing force in your life? Well, I'll have to think about that. I, I don't know what that image would be. How, how does that work when you say trapping, trapping the gremlin? Yeah. Um, you know, for some how people, does that work for you? Some people it's a voice, some people it's an image, some people it's someone from their past, some people it's a scary movie or some figure, you know, figment of their imagination that they conjured up. Um, for me, I, I know when I was going through it and, and obviously from time to time it comes, creeps back up. Um, it's just a knowing, a knowing that that's not serving me well and it needs to go. Okay. I like that. I mean, I think that's a new, I, I don't think I had any, uh, any tools to, I mean, I just, to, to really do something with it. To me, it was just, okay, get it out of your mind, you know, just get it out. But, but um, trapping, I've tried to heal it, you know, I mean, I tried to heal the wound also, and that, um, that's gotten better, but, you know, a wound is a wound. So, yeah, I'll try the idea of trapping the gremlin. So how can, you, how can you shore up more accountability than to heal the wound, as you say? 
Well, uh, I think when when that comes up, um, w- w- what do you mean when you say accountability? Let me ask. Well, that. you know, you mentioned you tried a couple of things to heal the wound, but it's still a wound. So how can eventually, not all the time, but most wounds do heal. So how can we? How can you take accountability for healing at least most of that wound, even if it might still be there? Yeah, I think I have to continue uh, to do those things that I do, that I'm doing, which is to um, uh, to try to give affirmation, to try to reinforce in who I am in goodness, to realize that um, the voice of discouragement is not my voice, it's not God's voice, um, it's just from another person, or it might be from society. But it, it, you know, it, it, it is just this negative voice, and so don't honor it. Don't don't let it stay rent free in my mind. And uh, and as you say, try to move, try to move to um, the good things of gratitude. And when it pops up, or how do you handle the obstacle? Um, yeah, I, I I think I will. You know, I mean pay attention to it, be aware of what it was that that causes it, and then try to step back from it a little bit to look at it, you know, I think, so you can get some perspective on it. So earlier, you know, you mentioned sort of this idea of discouragement in your stomach. How does that land for you now in terms of processing all this? Yeah, it feels lighter. It feels it feels uh, dissipated right now. Um, I, I feel a little more integrated, uh, integrated, more unified. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Jerry, I think this is probably a good time for us to transition into the uh, interview portion. So tell my listeners and audience more about, you know, what you do and, and, and who you are. Well, I've been, uh, you know, as I've been a pastor for, for 35 years, working with interfaith causes. And part of my, because I shared about my journey as a young person, um, I really went on a spiritual exploration for myself, seeing God in a much broader way. I, you know, I used to think of God as this being out there, kind of judging you or that you pray to and give you, you know, what you wanted, like Santa Claus would give you things. And then I've, I've really, as I've studied other religions and, and, and saw the depth, I think of uh, the breath of God is much more, it's got a spirit, um, God is energy and the, the sense of consciousness of the universe that I, I've really been about helping to build ways of peace with interfaith. And so I wrote this book and this has been the book that I've worked on for two years called The Peacemaker's Path, Multi-Faith Reflections to Deepen Your Spirituality. Because my premise is that most of us believe we have so much more in common than what divides us. And that um, I wanted to show that in our major religions, there are core teachings that are very similar maybe not exactly the same, but have some of the same strains to them as far as forgiveness, loving your enemy, finding inner peace, karma, or uh, law of attraction, you reap what you sow. 
and those those themes that we have seen can give us a better appreciation i think and depth of seeing god's work and and how we can experience a a, a greater understanding of ourselves with others um, it's not for me to, if somebody's Christian or somebody's Jewish, to give up their faith tradition, or somebody says, I'm really not any religious tradition, but it's to open us up to say, you know, let us ask questions, let us search within, and maybe within ourselves. A part of the journey we've been talking about is the process of finding inner peace, self-love, um, and it's interesting because, you know, for many Christians, we focus on loving our neighbor. But Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we forgot a lot about loving ourselves. And so um, I've taken these six themes. And, and it's not a book of theology. It's not this um, too heavy. It's 40 days. It's six themes, but you can read each day. It's like a little devotion or a reflection and I read that reflection that I've written in that certain theme and then it's scriptures from different faith traditions uh, some questions to reflect and then a prayer and the prayer might be from a Native American or a Hindu or a Buddhist and and so the feedback has been good that people have said boy this has really brought me some sense of peace or, or has given me some ways of thinking new about some of these people, I, I never knew Muslims. I just, you know, thought I saw something on TV and I see that really the Quran teaches some beautiful things or Hindus or Buddhists. So that's my hope is um, that if people who are looking for uh, something to help them on their spiritual journey, um, that's very accessible, that, that this might be something that they can either, you know, read or it's on Kindle or paperback, hard copy. So I'm hoping. So, you know, in your research and your sort of, you know, compiling of all this information for your book, what have you found to be, if you was to encapsulate it into a phrase or a sentence that is, is that universal truth? Well, of course, I think the universal truth is love. It, it, it is how we love uh love ourselves and love others it gets manifested played out the golden rule we see is that way um it's also uh the the law of what some would say karma or jesus says you reap what you sow uh, some speak about the law of attraction but this is a universe i believe is a universal law i i've experienced that i see it in other people's lives what you put out there you will get the more love more generosity more uh caring you will receive that over and over again if you put out negativity anger frustration uh bitterness envy that stuff comes back to you. And so, you know, people who are always negative are always anxious and, 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 you know, feeling upset. They seem to have a lot of drama around them. And, um, because I think eternally we've got to work on our own stuff. You know, I can't change somebody else. All I can do is work on myself. So Jerry, we all been through, the world has been through so much the last year and a half. For like any listener out there who wants to, you know, sort of 
be at the highest plane, but just finds it so difficult. What are, what are some tips that you can give them to still be in, in flow and, and still, you know, be at their highest self? Well, I, I think one of the things I've done for me, and I think as you're talking is I've given myself grace. I've given myself some space to mess up and it's okay. And not to feel like if you mess up, you're just a terrible screw up. In fact, it's part of the journey. You know, I did the best I could, you know, it didn't go so well. I wrote a novel, earlier novel before this that didn't sell many copies. Ah, it's okay. You know, and, and I did it because I wanted to do it. But, but I learned a lot from it and hopefully it will go on. So I think that's one of the things. And I think your thing about um, the process of uh, what our thoughts are, you know, and the gremlin are those things within ourselves to keep at bay so we can protect our heart. Hmm. So, Jerry, what's the dream? The dream? I say a little more about that for me. Yeah, you know, you just launched this book. What do you what do you hope to achieve after? Well, I mean, I I just, I mean, my, um, I don't really have so much in the, like, I don't have any goals or future. I'm I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the fruits of this now. And my hope, my dream is that people will be inspired to be peacemakers. People will be in feel the sense of we've seen this uh, polarization in our society, and and rather than being angry and and being you know one of those people who just discounts other people, that we begin to listen to each other. The more we listen, as you have done so well listening to me, and I have felt heard and valued in this conversation. And when another, when we can all feel like somebody understands us, maybe they have a totally different point of view than, than I do on politics or religion, but I still want to value them as a human being. And when people feel valued, I think we begin to find reconciliation and healing and building of relationships. Yeah, that's beautifully said. You know, I'm just thinking about my own life in terms of practicality. I mean, I have somewhat of a schism with my with one of my family members. You know, as much as I do this work, it's so interesting because life challenges you, right? It's like yeah. I can do all these things for other people, but I'm a firm believer in preaching to myself as well. Yeah. How do you think you know, you come to some type of reconciliation, knowing what you know, but yet coming across diametrically opposing views. And sometimes those views are harmful and hurtful. Oh boy. And and I actually have a family member my same way, okay? Who just thinks all of religion and all my stuff, they don't want nothing to do with it. And we don't really talk very much. Um, this person doesn't really respect does have some respect for me, I think, but doesn't want to have any, because it was jammed down her, that, her throat. I get that she's angry, but I also have to keep at bay because I don't want to be hurt or wounded, and this person can be very vitriol. So I think sometimes there are, it has to take two people for reconciliation to happen. And every once in a while, I might put an olive branch out there or I might see some indication that the person is doing something different, but until you feel like it's a safe place and safe ground, um, I just, 
I do stay at bay, you know? I don't think we, I mean, you know, we're, we're not going to have kumbaya with everybody in the world right now. We can do our part, but I do think we have to uh, protect and honor um, ourselves as well. What, what do you think? No, I, I 100% agree with you. It sort of made me think about, like I grew up Catholic, so it made me think about, you know, the Ten Commandments that I sort of, you know, grew up with. And sort of wondering with you, what are your personal commandments? Wow, I think that's that's a great question. Um, what are my personal commandments? I I think I it is the teaching that Jesus gave. It is to love God. I think to honor the divine within and beyond first than to love my neighbor as myself. And I've realized so that the second commandment is to love myself, to care for myself. If I don't, if I don't care for myself, I have nothing left to give and, and I have nothing there to offer. So I think, you know, it is staying connected with the divine. Second, it is to love myself. And then third, it is to love others. I, I, I like that, the, the commandment that Jesus gave. And how do you think on a practical level with all this opposing, diametrically opposing views that we all have, how do you think we can, we all as a society can inch closer to that? I think it just comes by relationships, one-on-one. You know, I, I actually had a, a, a podcast with a gentleman who was a strong Christian. Christianity was the only way right and he just kept on going but jerry jesus is the only way and and i get it but and i kept on move, maneuvering around and trying to find common ground with him and i really do i said you know i really i think that if i lived where you lived we would be out there working together helping the poor or doing something to find common ground you know we might disagree on certain points of view but rather than focusing on them let's focus on what we have in common and it's interesting because i can do that with people of other faiths more than i can some people are in the Christian tradition. You know, I have some Christian ministers who won't even talk to me because they're just so different. I would talk to them. I'd welcome them in. You know, Jehovah Witness come to my house. I, I love having them come in and talk to them because to me, it's about relationships. But being said, that's not the way it always is. And so I just think we can take a step, uh, our own step, our own way, whether it's at work to give dignity and, and, and value to another human being, especially when there's somebody maybe who's different, somebody at work who comes from a different background or culture or diversity, who feels disenfranchised or put out of place and that we can make them feel like they're a part. So nobody is put outside. That's beautifully said, wonderful. All right, Jerry. Sarah, can you tell my audience where they can find you on the internet, where they can buy your book? Well, of course, uh, the book's on Amazon, or you can go to my website, jerryzare, Z-E-H-R, jerryzare.com. And I also, you can contact me there if you want to have questions or you want to have other conversation. Um, and I have some of my blogs that I write, but... 
But mainly I would love it if, if, if you read the book and you like it, you know, give it to somebody else, pass it on or, uh, or, or find ways of connecting with uh, some other people who are doing interfaith work or doing peace work to trying to build, build ways of unity and healing, whether it's between our races, between religions. But I, I think when we're at the higher best of ourselves, we can bring uh, the richness of, uh, of God's love present and make heaven on earth as good as we can in the little ways, in our own little ways. Make heaven on earth. Beautiful. What a beautiful view. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate today's chat. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. And I, I hope that your listeners uh, were able to connect with some of uh, my my story. Thank you for the work you did. You, you are a great uh, coach, and I appreciated the ways you opened up. Uh, didn't force me to do things, but helped me to be reflective, and uh, I felt very good about it. Wonderful. Thank you again, Jerry. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.